for trainers learning to stay relevant is changing their perception for the way that they'll train their clients. They may only see their client once a week or once a fortnight in a suite of other things that the member does or the client does. So that's quite a mind shift from where PTs have traditionally operated. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online and face-to-face courses, accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, with up to a massive 40% discount for members of Australian Fitness Network. In this episode... Head of Fitness for Les Mills New Zealand, Ish Shane, talks specialisation, contracting and cash flow, and why trainers should stop trying to get married in a Tinder world, with Network's Oliver Kitchingman. Ish, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Thank you for having me. Ish, how has the PT market changed in recent years, like with the growth of small group training, more of a focus on mind, body and various other um, disciplines within the industry? How's that affected PT? I think PTs have got to look and run their businesses smarter than they have previously. So I remember when I was a trainer, you know, when someone saw you three times a week, that was awesome. And you basically tried to get people only to see you and you were the only thing that they did. But the kind of the analogy we're using at the moment is trainers are trying to get married in a Tinder world and the average client now wants to have a trainer, do some yoga, do some group fitness, you know, might do CrossFit. Like there's a whole lot of stuff that they may actually do of which you're part of the fitness solution. So I think for trainers learning to stay relevant is changing their perception for the way that they'll train their clients. They may only see their client once a week or once a fortnight in a suite of other things that the member does or the client does. So that's quite a mind shift from where PTs have traditionally operated. Okay, so should the trainer be trying to keep tabs on the other activities that the clients are doing? Yeah, I think you become the facilitator for their fitness suite. So you're the fitness expert, so you may be recommending, say, group fitness classes, for example, because obviously having the client staying in the box that you work out of is a great idea, and you may be kind of programming something that they do on their own. You may be giving them something they do outside. It's more that you become, I guess, the expert and the facilitator of their fitness suite rather than the, you must come and see me for every single session. I think that that type of personal training has got more longevity and it's a lot less risk to trainers as well. So risk being if I see someone three times a week and they're sick, well, they take three hours or three half-hour sessions out of my week. If I see them once a week and they're sick, they only take one. So when you start to look at risk and you start to look at diversity, um, diversity is not hindering personal training. It's actually helping it. It's helping you build a wider client base. Okay, but does that mean that therefore trainers are going to be looking to get more clients? They'll need a, a greater volume of clients to make up those those fewer hours that they'd be getting per client per week. Yeah, that's correct. So you should be looking, if, if you were going to personal train 30 hours a week, let's say that's what it was, you want to be stacking those 30 hours with 30 plus clients so that you're... Yeah, the, the touch points are less, but the volume is higher. And what you end up with is a 
bigger client base or bigger circle of influence, which helps for lots of reasons, as opposed to the risk factor of seeing a small client base but seeing them more often. And you, we've all experienced that volatile business where a couple of people leave, that affects your income, rather than, I guess, padding out your week with a lot more sessions and starting to get really smart around training twos, training threes, using group as part of your personal training repertoire. One of the things we've even introduced in our New Zealand clubs is the concept where someone can still personal train with a trainer once every six weeks, but it's a different style than sweaty sessions all the time. So it might be that they set up an automatic payment or some sort of payment to you of $10 a week, and then once every six weeks you get together and you give them a reprogram over kind of 30 to 45 minutes, and you're kind of recommending what they do for the next six weeks, and then you'll have people that see you every single week. So that's the... That's the client base width. Okay, so to survive and thrive in this market, what do PTs need to do now that they're not maybe currently doing? I think they need to understand how tech-savvy they need to be now. It's it's not that you have to be all over social media all of the time and, and, and everything because it's a relationship business, but you need to market yourself in a, in a way that's just not traditional that we have done previously. I mean, when I started, it was put up a poster in the gym and that was about as good as it got. And then kind of YouTube came along and then Facebook and then, you know, Instagram and then Snapchat. And, and now it's kind of a, a lot of the time, I think trainers do nothing because they almost get paralysis by analysis they go well I can't do everything so I'll do nothing it's just picking one or two things and doing them well watching what other people are doing follow people on social media who have got big followings how are they doing that and kind of replicate it in a way that you can work it with your business plus just the technology of what we're doing now a podcast into a cell phone you know when I was doing podcasts you had to have the microphone equipment and to go into the computer like everything has just becoming easier and I think if you don't keep up then you tend to get left behind. Okay, so I mean that kind of leads into my, my question I was going to say, or ask you rather, how much is PT success about what they do with the clients and how much is about how they spread the word through marketing? Yeah, well, results are your best marketing. Client testimonials are your best marketing and getting video of client testimonials is gold. So I think that every time you train someone in a gym environment and they don't get results, that says something about your training as much as the person that does get results. So you need to be getting results as the price of entry, but you just need to make sure that when someone's watching a session that they're thinking, I want to do that because I've walked into gyms. I was in the gym today and I was watching personal training happening and I was going, what's that? So guy standing there counting repetitions Mm -hmm. next door, there was a grit class going on that the members could get for free. That was full. And I'm like, if I'm a member, I'm doing great. Why would I pay 60 to 80 bucks to watch someone count reps? And that's what PTs don't get. If If it's just about a sweaty session, you've got to make that as engaging as a group fitness class to get a market share because otherwise members literally will get to the point where they go, what am I paying for? Like that's boring. I don't like exercise at the best of times, let alone when you stand there and just count reps. So that engagement with the client, that ability to increase the accountability that they will come back to you and that they form that relationship with you and that the sessions are engaging and then when they add in the grits and the pumps and their own program and the yoga that's where the the results start to happen okay how important would you say a pt's flexibility and willingness to adapt are in their success in this day and age i think flexibility to be able to personal train with lots of different styles 
and the flexibility to be able to embrace things like the Kayla app, for example. So you may have female clients that use the Kayla app for their home workouts, but you're part of you know, the accountability and the programming and the experience they have with a trainer, they're two different things. And that's a flexibility ch change, whereas most trainers would have gone, I compete against Kayla, I compete against Group Fit. That's actually not the case. You're just part of the options. So I think from the flexibility point of view, it's more that if someone came to you and said, look, I would train with you, but I could only train with you once every three weeks, that you can say, yeah, I can do that and you know how to do that, as opposed to, oh, look, the frequency is not enough, you won't, it's a waste of time, you won't get results. Yeah, that, that's where the flexibility needs to change. So it's definitely about slotting yourself into uh, the whole picture rather than making yourself the whole picture. Yeah, absolutely. I think gone are the days where the PT is the dietitian, the rehab specialist, the strength coach, the, you know, the flexibility person. I think that that type of trainer is less likely now. I think what you'll get is specialty trainers who will special, specialise in one area and do that one area really well and then learn to network out into those other offerings that make it complete for the client. So how about ongoing upskilling and learning new training methods? How much, how much time and effort and money should trainers be investing in that? Yeah, the, the learning never stops, right? It's constantly changing. I got qualified in 1995 and they were still teaching lap pull down behind the head I was actually thinking about that course we did everything on overhead projector <laughs> like didn't even have powerpoint back then but like just how far that's come and it's constantly keeping your skills up to date and you know it's not like you get into the gym one day and go oh, man I can't remember how to swing a kettlebell like you know that stuff's intrinsic we we know how to do it but you know techniques on coaching or you know, theories change and, and, and basically new styles come in. You know, you see the movement of animal flow come through and the strong drive now to mind-body. And we're seeing that in the CrossFit studios actually merging with yoga studios because they need both sides of that and otherwise they become irrelevant. So I think just constantly being open to new ideas, it means you don't embrace everything, but you should understand why you're not embracing something is probably the better why you're no longer doing the trend or why you're choosing it to do it another way is quite a good way to think about it how about a pt's role in the community is that something that we need to uh, that you think the personal trainers in this day and age need to reconsider i think it's a target market thing so i think if your target market and style of training is really community based then you need to look for multiple ways to interact with the community but i don't think community as a whole as a marketing solution for every single trainer because every single trainer is slightly different so i mean my passion is trainers that actually work inside gyms and the reason for that is i've seen so many trainers that think success in the end game is owning their own pt studio or their own crossfit box and they go from making quite a bit of money as a contractor in a club with a low cost to having a high cost and hardly making any money and as we know just usually closing up the kind of the term entrepreneur which is successful in someone else's business is, is a really good mindset for trainers i think we're going to see that contractor model for pts remain strong in clubs pay your rent charge your clients directly make a lot of money that way no risk you know zero downside you don't own the equipment you don't have rent on the bricks and mortar a really safe way to run a business and still be a rock star in the fitness industry
That's good. You're leading into the financial side of things there because it is a sensitive topic that many PTs struggle to broach with clients. And I was going to ask how important is cash flow to a PT's success and what's the best way for them to achieve it? Yeah, cash flow is, you know, that, that comes down to the risk thing again. I see cash flow being volatile when small client bases prop up the sessions. I think you want to have people paying by automatic payment and direct credits and your ability to take credit card on your phone is so important. Apple Pay, all that kind of stuff because you need that consistency coming in, as well as you need the discipline to not spend bulk money that's been paid to you in advance. So I always say to my trainers, if they get $1,000, you haven't earned $1,000, you've just now got $1,000 of which you've earned $80. So your ability to be disciplined in budgeting and put your tax aside and not get into that trap where you don't save your tax for your first year, you're then double saving in your second year, and then you quit and become a cop in your third year. So <laughs> whatever it is that you do when you're not a PT anymore, I think that the cash flow side and actually looking to get really good business advice because you're a business person you must sell but that is less of a risk when you have a captive audience inside a gym as opposed to a gym PT studio where you're trying to go out there and get an audience to come to you. Okay so looking at the the, the career of personal trainers um, the career span as you're, you're talking there about you know there, there is there can be burnout quite quite fast burnout in the, the PT industry how can PTs future-proof their business? So I think one is realize what you're getting into. I think people get into the fitness industry because they like exercise and then they drop out because they don't like business and sales. So I think go into it with your, your eyes wide open. You are a business person and you must sell and you must run a business and your business is delivering exercise experiences. But I think that the burnout side comes from a lack of discipline around your week because let's face it, you peak hours early morning and after work but you can't work 6am till 9 10 o'clock at night every single day you can do that for a while but you'll start to burn out so it's learning how to make sure that you've got your time off that you're you've taken breaks throughout the year so we would say you know time out is time in you know giving yourself time to recover and upskill and go on holiday is just as important as those times that you're face to face with your clients and then I think just building, like I've said previously, bigger client bases, using network opportunities to work with the dietitian as opposed to being the nutrition supplier as well as the exercise supplier, because then the dietitian won't become the exercise supplier. So you work congruently together, you have the ability to network, to access and, and create bigger databases as a result of that. And then I think the end game for a lot of PTs is not so much about the PT studio, it's really about developing things like retreats and you know three days in Fiji with a group of people clients that pay you big bucks to look after them and do that whole holistic health thing. That that seems to be the better play, I think, than I've now got my PT studio and I can't pay my bills anymore. <laughs> So do you have any closing advice for new PTs, long-time PTs, aspiring PTs? I think for the long-time PTs, don't be threatened by the new blood that's coming in. Um, yes, they're tech-savvy. Yes, they know all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you're in your 40s and 50s, you've got way more experience and life experience than those guys have got. And it's not the time to be winding down. It's the time to be winding up, you know. But I would be looking to diversify your offering more into the retreat space. For the young guys coming in, go in with your eyes wide open. It's it's not all exercise, bench press and curls. There's a lot of relationship building and networking and just really kind of that sales and business stuff. You just you just need to know that stuff and really practice it. You know, it's all good to go to a conference and learn how to swing a kettlebell better, but 
you know, I'm I'm yet to see a PT fail because they can't swing a kettlebell. They always fail because they can't sell. So, you know, spend your time in that in that realm and maybe, you know, network in with some of the older trainers. You know, th- those guys have been around for a long time and doing it really well. So learn from them and then the older trainers learn from the younger ones because they're all over the tech. So, yeah, <laughs> work together. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Ish. If listeners want to find out any more about you and what you guys do, where should they go? Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I'm basically the head of fitness for Les Mills New Zealand. Uh, if you'd like to be a PT at any of our clubs, we'd be really interested in hearing from you. And you can just email me at Ish, so that's I-S-H, at lesmills.co.nz. Thanks again for talking to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Cool. For a huge range of online courses focusing on program design and PT business development, including the course Maximise Your Marketing, Minimise Your Admin for PTs, head to the network website. Courses are fully accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, and network members get massive discounts of up to 40% off. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au forward slash CECs today to grow your skill set and fitness career.